thank you for joining us for episode 40, Big Four Zero of the Motorific Podcast. And we are back to you this week. Uh, I am Joanne Don, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Christy Farrell. Hello. And we are going to bring you, for episode 40, a couple uh, new stories. Also, um, a nice review of Christy's big trip to MotoGP. So we can hear about all the famous people she got to hang out with. And also riding around Austin. So she's going to give us a nice update about that. And then we're going to jump into some product uh, reviews and some other gear-related stories. So let's start off with uh, a couple of news stories. There is one recall that I noticed uh, for 2014 Zero models. And it's all the way across their model um, chain, the S, SR, DS, and FX, related to an, um, rear wheel lockup by engine failure if you push the motor to its limit. So we'll go ahead and post the link and you can check it out. If you're currently in possession of a zero, you might want to uh, give the company a call and follow up. And then uh, you want to do your little hipster story. Yeah. Yeah. And then apart from electric motorcycle recalls, I have an interesting hipster motorcycle story to share. Um, I was in the grocery checkout line and standing next to this gentleman who was wearing a leather jacket. And I turned to him and said, wow, do you, do you ride a matchless? And he looks at me totally confused. Like I just said something in Chinese. And I was like, yeah, the, the M logo on your leather jacket, the M with wings, that's for the matchless, the British matchless motorcycle. And he's like, oh, no, I just, I just ride a monster. Oh, and I God. Was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, at least you have great taste in chrome bags, because I also noticed he had a chrome bag that he was loading his groceries into. So it's just like, what's up with Christy doing all the brand recognition today? And, and I go back to my car, and as I'm in my car and I see him leave, he's leaving on a monster chromo. And I was like, dude, why are you shortchanging your monster? If you would have right. said, I ride a monster chromo, I would have been, dude, that is awesome. Because that is my favorite. Like, as far as visual is concerned, that's my favorite monster. Because, of course, as a typical female, I see shiny things and I get excited. So, You mean a um, first-gen 900 chrome? I think it is. Yeah. That's my friend Rick. Yeah, the one with the stainless tank. Yes. I wanted kind of, I, well, I looked at those. I found one. Up in New York somewhere when I was bike shopping, but like I can't, oh really I can't yeah there is someone I think it was a friend of yours that was, was selling a chromo in San Francisco. Uh, no, he wasn't selling it. I just took pictures of it because it was sexy. <laughs> no, then never. there was someone there was someone else in San Francisco that I saw on Craigslist oh. that had a chromo that was selling it, and I was like, oh, I wonder maybe. if this is Joanne's friend. I but, maybe um, I yeah no I can't. I don't know how many of those are floating around. Not very many, but I can't believe he would sell that. He loved that thing. He put over a hundred thousand miles on it. Wow, original. That's like, a lot of, no, he loves bike. he loves that bike. Uh, that's got to be someone else, but yeah, they are limited edition, and so they, I think they only made them for like a year or two, whatever. But I I just couldn't fork over six thousand dollars or whatever five thousand dollars for a bike, so I had to say no to all the monsters because all the monsters I found were really nice. They weren't like 
ratty or you know yeah. needed well, body work so that's the one that you want you right around well, the price point that i found was was a pretty common price point was five thousand and yeah. my most favorite yeah. i think it's the uh yep s s2r and i found yeah. one in chicago that was just amazing and it had all the right upgrades there was yeah, but, you know, I, I jumped out of getting another bike and in turn decided to turn my attention to my skill level. So if you have, haven't have already noticed uh, that podcast pop up in your queue, um, I, I cut loose the first of the Ride Better series. So look forward to that. Oh, and, and exciting news for the weekend. Um, Walt's racing in one of the AHRMA uh, historic was it it's like the vintage races basically um out at willow so he's doing he's doing vintage off-road racing not street racing not street racing uh willow is track right so he's doing i don't road. think they have a dirt track yeah no, so he's, he's doing vintage vintage road racing and it's a right-hand shift which means he's on a british bike nice I <laughs> so oh. he said don't get your hopes up i'm riding right-hand shift <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, if anyone well, can, do you need an umbrella girl? Because I'll totally come out. Like, who, who wouldn't? If you were out here, you would make the hour or so trek to go watch him race, would you not? I mean, isn't that? I think that that would be epic. I would if I were. Yeah, yeah, within an hour, absolutely, yeah. I would totally go yeah. out there. So I've totally cleared my schedule on Saturday to go mm. check that out. And then uh, L.A. residents, Orange County residents, San Diego residents, if you're listening to this podcast, this weekend is the Superbike Shootout put on by Geico um, and also sponsored, I believe, by Mav TV, who's going to be running a three, I know, is it a, a one hour? I can't remember how long the, the show is, but they're actually going to release an on television show as opposed to radio coverage or anything like that. So... The Superbike Shootout was started by uh, the Ulrichs, and basically it was started as a result of realizing that AMA is not doing any events, which I think now has changed, but AMA was not doing any events west of the Mississippi at all this year for road. And as a retaliatory measure, so to speak, um, the Ulrichs put together the Superbike Shootout, which is this coming Saturday and Sunday. So I think that's the 26th and the 27th of April at the AAA Speedway. And if you want to support local racing, or at least racing in the U.S., let alone racing in Southern California, which we do not currently possess, and we barely possess racing in Laguna Seca, $10 per person, take your whole family, it's really not that far in order to get out there and support some folks. And I think Josh Hayes and Melissa Paris, to name a few, um, as well as Chris Fillmore with KTM, uh, quite a few uh, good good name pros are going to be out there. So I think it's in everybody's best interest that if you even are remotely interested in road racing, uh, to get out there and support it. Because really, $10, that's like nothing. And the more people that go, the more that... Uh, those kinds of organizations are going to see that the support out here is mm-hmm. maybe, yep, yep, you know, enough to sustain more races. So, yep. yep, support your local racing culture, folks. Go on out. You'll see me there on Sunday, Saturday. I'll be out at Willow supporting Walt Fulton. So that should be a good, good packed weekend. Wish I could go. I know. Wish I could go. All right. We would dominate. <laughs> Seriously, right? <laughs> All right. So you want to tell us? About dominating Austin? (laughs) 
Yeah, Austin was awesome, which I think is probably what I said about coming back from Daytona. Um, I I just managed to be very lucky and randomly so, and and I and I'm not entirely sure whether it's just luck or whether it's kind of putting out a good vibe to have all that stuff come back to you yes. energy wise. Um, but uh, so. Austin, I was wavering a lot on going to GP, and finally I just said, you know what, screw this, um, I'm taking the time off, I'm going. And I ended up basically getting my ticket for 10 bucks because I had uh, credit card points. So JetBlue, 10 bucks, fly out with uh, Tim Collins uh, of Ducati. Um, so that was fun. Formerly of Ducati. And then, yes, formerly. Uh, and not yet, though, but soon. <laughs> So I met up uh, Wednesday evening with uh, Kit, who is awesome, and loaned me one of his Triumph Sprints. He uh, found him through a friend, Heather, who is traveling from Brooklyn to uh, Mexico, actually, uh, on her motorcycle. And yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of folks who are totally willing to help motorcyclists, and I'm just kind of at that intersective point between everyone who is just spewing generosity on two wheels. So that was kind of like the entire weekend that just started it off. So all day Thursday, my intent was to search for barbecue and it ended up being, wow, these roads are really awesome. I'm just not going to get off the bike. <laughs> so, so I literally spent like about eight hours constantly riding nice. uh, with, with only brakes to pee and get gas. Nice. So uh, can't tell you a whole lot about Texas barbecue. Didn't didn't get a chance to cut into that on um, on Thursday, but I can tell you that the hill country and specifically the Three Sisters route is just amazing. Green, obviously, I went there during during the day, so it probably wasn't as frequented, and it's not really in between a lot of major towns. So I, I wouldn't suspect you'd have a lot of traffic out there anyway. But I was alone the entire time, and it was just you know good some. Good technical riding, um, but uh, yeah, I just, so green and so quiet and peaceful, and yeah, I can't even, can't even begin to tell you how awesome that was, so definitely thanks goes out to Kit for for letting me have that Triumph Sprint, and as well as uh, Robert for recommending the Three Sisters route, because uh, couldn't ask for a better day, and it was funny, because somewhere in the middle of that ride, I got a text saying, hey, I'm at the airport. You want to hang out tonight? And so I start plotting how long it's going to take me to get back to Austin so I can tell him, oh, you know, let's meet up at 8. And it turns out that I was like three hours outside Austin. <laughs> I had no idea that so, I like, had gotten that far because I wasn't operating off of GPS. So nice. it, it's really nice when you just kind of get lost in the moment. But um Friday, uh, I had I had tickets that I got off of a guy on Craigslist who had a season ticket box or something. No um, wonder you were in the paddock zone. Well, season season ticket holders have this fancy little loge that they don't sell to the public, and uh -huh. he had tickets to Coachella, so we basically just you know swapped places. It was kind of funny, and the box has. Um, drink service Food and, and you have like nice. yeah and you have a view this cool, uh, you have a yeah awesome you view. have a decent view yes. um you're just above the the fence line so you'll be photo you're you'll be photographing fence if you try to take pictures of the riders but um it had a little the thing that i was looking forward to was the shade 
because that was something that as I was checking temperatures, I was concerned with being in the grandstands because it was going to be hot. And I did not want to burn another part of my body yet again. So I, uh, I was in that area for a while, wandering around, uh, caught up with a couple of folks that I met at World Superbike in Seiko last year. And uh, my good friend, <laughs> I, I say good friend in air quotes, um, one of my friends let me into the paddock area kind of stuck me in there and nice. so I was able to kind of wander that and that was a cool experience and in the process of wandering the paddock I saw um, Tim Stafford who does vintage BMW restorations in San Diego hmm. I was like hey haven't seen you in a while like hey what's what are you doing here and we just got to chatting and uh, you know took some photos of uh, Jorge Lorenzo when he came out to sign some autographs and pretty much, I think, went home at the end of that day, just exhausted. And then the next morning, I get this text with a photo that shows uh, a suite, like a VIP pass. And I was like, what are you doing? Messing with my emotions here? <laughs> what What's that? It's like, oh, well, you know, we have some extra tickets if you want to uh, come up and join from us. From who? The suite from, it was actually, I think, the, the group that Tim was with, but um, Araldo Ferracci. Oh. And uh, the Matthews brothers and uh, a couple other folks who are supporters of Celtic Racing and Tim were all in one big group in this suite. So basically, nice. they had an extra pass. And so not only did I get air conditioning and like five televisions, but uh, catered. Um, and so I took like a before and after. So this is Christy in the, in slumming it across the way. So all my photos have a fence line in it. And then Christy the next day was literally across from where I was looking. Like I could see myself, um, up top on the third floor, looking down onto the start and finish line. So it was, uh, it was a nice upgrade. And, uh, those guys are just really awesome to kind of let me, you know, hang around. But uh, and, and it's always fun as someone who's a novice who doesn't understand a lot about racing to be at an event with people who are seasoned racers and have been in the industry forever who can kind of explain things to you as questions arise. So that was exciting. And, I, and I'll say that Moto2 and Moto3 were really exciting races. But, you know, GP, Mark is just so freaking good. That um, not only does he ruin the betting scheme in MotoGP, but um, he he had such a tremendous lead with Pedrosa for the earlier part of that race mm-hmm. that if he fell, that would have been the only way someone would have beat him. I literally tried to take an Instagram video of the lead that he had. And I think Instagram caps their videos at like 15 seconds or something. But he had the entire straightaway stretch and turn one curve ahead of the number three. Pedrosa was somewhere mixed in there at a, at a couple seconds behind Marquez. But he literally had the entire straightaway, the finish start line straightaway and turn one before anyone turned the corner. And there was so much time, I couldn't even capture it on Instagram. Like, the video stopped. <laughs> So it was funny. I think uh, I think Alonzo Bowden said something to to Reese, which is uh, Marquez's manager, something to the effect of "Your guy is messing up the betting for for MotoGP." Tell him to slow no down. One, no one wants to bet against Marquez, and uh, and and Reese said something to the effect of, "Oh, you know, he still likes to give a good show uh, from Qatar." 
uh, possibly suggesting that that entire game of leapfrog that they did in the last couple of laps was something that he intentionally let happen. Maybe. Uh, with Rossi. So, Maybe. Um, you know. I could see it, that. It's, it's uh, hey, that was a really great race. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that, that kind of is is how uh, the racing actually played out. And I, and I felt so terrible because uh, Mark's younger brother was racing in uh, Moto3, I think. Huh. Um, and the moment he had, a, he had a decent podium, I think. He was in one of the top three, if not the top five. And the minute I walked outside to go take a picture of him crossing the finish line, he crashed somewhere. I was like, no, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. I can't complain. Um, uh, met again. a lot of, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would go to Austin. I'm not so sure if I would travel out for Indianapolis. I definitely don't have the uh, financial wherewithal, um, to make both those GPs this year. I've got other things that are more pressing, but, um, yeah, I mean, Austin's Austin's a great little town. And I think, I, I don't know what the traffic situation was like for folks in cars, um, I also stayed really close to the track. So I was five minutes away from the track. Nice. Um, there were a couple of times, though, when I was going downtown that all I wanted to do was lane split. <laughs> no lane splitting in Texas, people. <laughs> so I'm just staring and thinking, oh, God, I could have been there already if I could just squeeze in between those two cars. So that was a little stressful. But, you know, as far as attendance goes, uh, that was not a packed. I mean, it was clearly more attended than uh, World Superbike and Daytona mm. put together. But but I didn't see the stands overflowing with people. So I was still scratching my head going, well, OK, MotoGP does, you know, reach out to more people. And you've got a lot of international folks that literally chase the race everywhere it goes. So more power to those guys who are traveling to Qatar and Spain and the U.S. for all the GPs. Yep. Because when I grow up, I want to be like them. But, yeah, I was kind of shocked. I thought that the GP event would be just super saturated with people. Yeah, I want to go – I would love to go to Indy only because it's closer. Um, I yeah. hear that it's a much more pleasant location. Like it's easy to get to, easy to leave, you know. It's it's not bottlenecked. Like it's a more, it's more real, or just a different, totally different than Laguna Seca. Definitely totally different than Austin. But I hear it's a good venue. I, we'll see. Maybe next year. This year, I'm reserving my vacations very carefully. So, sadly, uh-huh. I don't think I'll be doing any GP trips. But um. Yeah, I'm going to try to go home in the summer in a couple months, maybe a few months. And then yay, maybe, or I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe I'll wait till Christmas to go home. I don't, I just don't know, but I'm just kind of, well, you know, saving uh, up time. Depending on, actually, you know what? Plane tickets for you would probably be just as gouging over a holiday as it would be over summer. Oh, I'm sure. So considering the weather, I'd vote for Christmas because the weather out here is going to kick way more butt than what you're going to be experiencing. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be hot here. It's just not pleasantly hot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't even really looked at that part yet. I just... Yeah, time no, time wise, it's a thing to consider. You're not only getting a vacation, but you're getting a vacation into a climate that's slightly more favorable than what you're <laughs> what you're currently in. Yeah, if hopefully. it turns into be like the blizzard shitstorm that it was last year <laughs> in summer, what? Oh, in the Christmas? No, in, for Christmas, I'm saying maybe. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully not. Um, 
but uh yeah sounds like you had a really good time i've been to gp like five times i've never gotten past the paddock let alone a suite or anywhere oh, oh, in that here's, and on your first try coolest. you get in that's awesome here is the coolest story <laughs> um so Araldo is just the bee's knees for pretty much everyone in the paddock hmm. and the group was kind of wandering the paddock looking to talk to some folks and I would hang back with him just mm. because he was the last person wandering and there would occasionally be folks that come up to him hey and so he would stop and talk and I would just kind of stand off to the side and we passed by the Ducati um, garage and outside Ducati, Tim and a crew of Ducati employees from all over the country were hmm. kind of queuing outside the garage waiting to get a tour of it. Hmm. And one of the, the I, I want to say he's probably somewhere on the management for the race team, comes out and he's like, oh, Raldo, yay. And so he's talking to him and I'm just, you know, politely standing off to the side. And then he goes to take Araldo into the garage. And, and by this time, the, the rest of the group is with us. And Araldo looks back. He's like, are you guys coming? So we basically wander into the Ducati garage. Nice. And, and they actually stopped Tim's crew of like 20 people from coming in until we were done. <laughs> so, nice. So I'm looking back going, bye. <laughs> and I'm in the Ducati garage. And I... And I lean over to Tim. I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to attempt to take a picture in here because first off, I'm enjoying the experience and I know I'm somewhere I totally shouldn't be. And on top of that, the bikes were all stripped down. And I think that that's a point where if yeah. you were to take a photo, you would yeah. be in serious trouble. So so I was just enjoying the moment and there wasn't any chance I was going to take a picture. But yeah, I'm standing in the garage and these guys have the, the fairings are off. All the covers are off. The bikes are totally naked. They're working on chains and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are chatting in Italian and I don't understand any of it. And I'm just sitting off to the side going, how, how did I get here? <laughs> very like, yeah. carefully photos or it didn't happen well it didn't happen because i was inside the garage but yeah just uh just amazing amazing to get the full scope of the experience from sitting in the sitting in the stands all the way up to being in the suite hearing ben spee's talk they had him come in actually uh to do a talk about what in he's been up to vip suite yeah what he's been up to after um hmm after his departure from MotoGP. And the thing that hurt me the most is that he's, God, it's got to be at least a year, right? Yeah. That, that he's left. He's been on a bike once and oh. it was off-road. And it just, wow. I mean, the gravity of someone who was completely in love with motorcycling left GP and has only been off-road once. It's like, oh, wow. Um, mm. But uh, he's focused on pedaling. He has, I think, a team. And he nice. was making some interesting uh talk about how he thought dorna should take over ama just like dorna took over cev in spain mm. to breathe life into the series and that was kind of something that was bouncing around in my head all weekend and then watching gp in in austin and and the kind of you know yay it's kind of uh you've got some fans in the stands more so than ama events but it wasn't fantastic and i think that you know mm. really if you were to have someone like dorna take over you wouldn't see i think a, a terrible amount of influence unless of course they were able to get um more television coverage which is kind of weak in ama events but i think that 
more people in general need to be interested in motorcycling in order to see that kind of crazy reaction, you know, as yes. they do in GP in Europe. Yes. Because I just don't think enough people are into motorcycling. It's still something that um, is an extracurricular activity. It's yes. not a lifestyle. It's not a way to get to work. Um, it's not a sport to them. And until you have that happen, I believe a, a little help should be had at the manufacturer level to kind of, you know, remind people, hey, we're not just trying to sell bikes here. We're trying to sell fun. Look at these guys having fun. I mean, you see their ads and it's just the the shadows in the background and you see this bike and you know great it calls to you on a very masculine aggressive level but it doesn't show how awesome motorcycling is and i think that that's something that's kind of missing nope. from all of that yep yep we, our industry needs a lot of help and it's yes. uh slow it's such a slow uphill crawl yeah well hopefully we'll see something different in like 10 years but <clears throat> i don't know it could go either way um Oh, I forgot to share my hipster, not a story, but I forgot to show, I wanted to, sh I'll share this link. Uh, we'll, we'll share it in the show notes. It's a hipster generator. It's called the <laughs> oh, hipster. Oh, is this Evans? Yes, it's my husband's invention, the hipster <laughs> generator, hipster uh, shop name generator. So it's not just for motorcycles, but you could create the hipster, you know, clothing store or furniture store or coffee shop or you know whatever of your dreams and you just keep hitting refresh and then it like throws together really random words um, and cool little pictures you know it's really fun so yeah wait, wait um, a minute. that was when I saw that picked up by hipster bike videos I was like oh my god that's Evan <laughs> yeah yeah well he submitted it to them he thought they yeah. would really enjoy that but, um, yeah, there's some other ones, but this is way better. And if you go through it long enough, like if you sat there forever, at some <laughs> point you would get to asphalt and rubber. Because my <gasps> friend did it. My yeah. friend did it. And he's like, hey, I got asphalt and rubber. I'm like, oh, can you screenshot that for me? He's like, it's too late. I hit refresh. But somewhere no in there, way. those words. Well, because I think those words are in the dictionary of words, or uh -huh. you know, of that of the database. So. Yeah, does you could get Jens, that. Does Jensen know that? No, but <laughs> I mean, at least he's the furthest thing from a hipster bike oh, blog. That's but funny. I should probably, God, you know, just made me want to go through that. Actually, <laughs> click, I should click, probably click, submit click it to him. I, that's actually a really good idea. I should probably submit that to him. Um, but anyway, um, he's probably aware of it because I think he follows the hipster bike video people. I'm. I would hope by now everybody's aware of it. It's really fun. The hipster. There's a Facebook page if you don't know called Hipster Bike Videos, and it's really not what you think. They are just the anti. <laughs> it's really just the epitome of what motorcycling is not, and what it should not be. Like people selling thirty-year-old helmets that are repainted so you can run run around town you know, crack your brain open and look cool. Um, it's just, it's really funny though. They post some really cool, like modern uh, fashion ads with like, there's one with um, Beckham and he's doing an ad for, I think the British uh, for Bellstaff clothing. And it's yeah. just ridiculous. Just really cheesy. Um, it's, it's advertising and marketing that's focusing on um, form versus function in an yeah, extreme sense. Hipster lifestyle in everything from 
fashion to motorcycling, but it's also like really awful, unsafe motorcycling. I mean, it, there's people who are, you know, they're running around in really old helmets that are going to hurt you, not help you. Um, people running around, you know, there, there was one video of, I guess, somewhere in L.A., they go out and do these pseudo um, rally racing where they're on a flat track and it's not flat track racing. It's just a bunch of hipsters getting dressed up. It, oh, you know what it is? Evan had a really good analogy. It's, it's, it's like cosplay is what it is. <laughs> cosplay for motorcycling, um, but vintage motorcycling because modern motorcycling is not cool. So... People get dressed up. They look like they're riding motorcycles. They look like they know what they're doing, but they have no idea what they're doing. And they're just, it's just all cosplay. They dress up and they're running around the track on everything from, you know, vintage bikes, little vintage triumphs to three wheelers. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a hot mess. But yeah, if you have a few minutes to kill, go check out know. the hipster I bike know videos. A few organizations that you're talking about in LA that I'm not going to say. Um, so they're, yeah. they're all over the place. These, these pseudo cosplay is what I like to refer to it as. Cause it really is, it's dress up and it's really not an homage to vintage racing or what, how people actually raced or any skill <laughs> or technical abilities. No, it's just looking cool and screwing around and whatever, you know, whatever, if it's fun for you, awesome. Have a great time. Yeah. But uh, good, clean fun at slow speeds, I think, is, yeah, is what that's... point has been driven home to me. But there is actually an off-road rally event that I'm considering getting a bike for. Oh. Um, but you will see me have the most amount of protection shoved underneath whatever because off-road, I think, is uh, – opposing in thought with most people i think off-road is where i'm gonna get hurt more just because i'm not that good at yeah. it <laughs> so i'm gonna be you know uh chest protection elbow yeah. uh knee but i might join in on one of those rallies i just the way i look at that kind of stuff and and i'm kind of on the fence in terms of marketing um getting videos like that out there more is that while i struggle with promoting something other than safety where you're not kind of geared up in some manner or fashion, even on a basic level. Mm -hmm. um, I do really appreciate seeing guys just have good, clean fun on motorcycles because I think that is an image that is sorely missing from all of the marketing. And so part of me is like kind of torn in the, God, these rallies and these dirt events are really similar to what they had back in the 60s in the Why We Ride video in that park, Indian True. Springs or Indian Wells, wherever that park was yep. That, yep. that they used to have all of those off-road events. Yep. And I think that that kind of stuff is missing because if you don't currently ride, True. you don't know what's going on and you see that and you're like, whoa, dude, that looks like so much fun. We need to try that. So that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I can see that. It's hard for me to endorse such things as well. And that's why I'll never share photos that, you know, kind of glorify wearing absolutely nothing while you're barreling down the freeway. And I, I do it all you want. I don't care. Go ride in a bikini for all I care. But I'm ne you're never going to see me like a photo or share something like that as something that you should go do. But do whatever you want. Wear whatever you don't want. I don't, I don't really care. But if you ask me, I'll, I'll certainly help you out. But um, 
<clears throat> I uh, actually on last week I had a really fun guy come in and I I didn't take a picture but he was riding an Indian and I was like oh that's cool riding an Indian New awesome world. I don't know I think it was newer but huh. he had all kinds of stuff like bags and I don't even know what kind of Indian it was. I have no idea. But my friend took a picture of it in the parking lot because he just thought it was really cool. And um, he came in looking for a beanie helmet. Ugh. And I and I and he, you know, and we were talking, and eventually we, we actually found him in a ride defiant. And nice. um, and uh, yeah, and it was just really a result of of conversing with him and asking him, well you know, you know, are you interested in the full and, you know, do you have one? Like, what are you trying to get here? Do you need another half? You know, what, what do you need? And, and he just, you know, he was saying he had a full, but he didn't like it. And I asked him what he didn't like about it. And, you know, if I could find him something that was way better, would he consider it? And he's like, sure. So it just, as a result of the evolution of our conversation, we got to the point of, uh, defiant, and he loved it, so it was that was really nice. Um, nice. So you know, well played. It just worked out that our conversation kind of evolved that way because I was helping him look at half helmets, and we were trying them on. And he had a very round head, and he also had a very tall head. And um, mm. most halves and three quarters are not friendly for folks who have taller heads or or long ovals or just anything yeah. where you're really long um, in any direction because halves and shorties are just really tiny so um he just couldn't find anything and that's when we kind of we decided to tell hey, that's when you some. swooped in <laughs> that's when i suggested i'm like well you know do you <laughs> want to look at some foals and i think you'll love this one and um he did so that was that was really nice but awesome. speaking of helmets uh, we have a couple of product reviews to cover with you as well and uh, did you test uh, you tested a helmet in austin too no, no, no. I literally brought all my gear with me. Stuff. But the, the interesting thing about that was that usually I ride to the airport. So I'm wearing my gear on the plane. But this time I had to stuff it in my bag. So I looked mm -hmm. like the quintessential chick that you have the stereotype of that has this enormous suitcase. <laughs> See, I never ride to the airport. So I'm always have a giant suitcase <laughs> of gear. It's... It just makes carry on for a bag impossible. I had to check it back. What do you mean? I when I when I um uh oh why does this sound terrible? What do you mean when I went to Ireland? Two carry-ons. I had my helmet bag, and then my little twenty-two inch whatever legal size is for the airlines. Everything was in there, besides the helmet, jacket, pants, boots, gloves, armor. Just wow! You take it all apart. You take all your armor out. Yeah, I did. I yeah. think another problem with that was I was carrying a laptop, camera equipment, and on top of that, um, yeah, I was also having events where I was going out at night, and so I needed to look cute. Oh and yeah, yeah, no, I had factor to... that in. Like if I was there alone and I wasn't going to know anybody, then I'd probably be packing a lot lighter. But oh yeah, I think the the cuteness factor and needing stuff to wear during the day, oh, yeah, 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 that yeah, kind of no, killed no. it for me. No, I had a giant <laughs> like thirty inch roll on checked also, but. I, yeah. For carry-on, I did not trust, you know, $3,000 worth of gear. Yeah, it was airline. hard. <laughs> it was hard for me. But but leave the airport, you know, the Long Beach airport is so tiny. It is. And JetBlue, it was literally a direct flight from Long Beach to Austin. Nice. And that is what made me feel a little bit better yeah. about putting all yeah, of this yeah. stuff. Because I actually had to put my laptop in my suitcase. Yeah. And I didn't lock it. So I was kind of like, eh. Yeah. But 
Nice. Happy happy trails. So tell so, us about the Arai helmet. Oh, well, I thought you... Because the reason I asked you is because I thought you tested the bell in Austin. Oh. Where did well, you... Well, yeah. Um, I, I have actually had that bell helmet since Christmas, oh. I think, actually. Oh, which um, one Which one is it? The Vortex? Is it the RS1? The RS1. It's a good helmet. Yeah. It's a good helmet. Um, I, when, I was, uh, when I was at World Superbike, I got a, a really sweet... Um, coupon from their uh hospitality suite that let me get anything i wanted for 60 percent off nice so considering that you know i kind of wanted another full face helmet because my showies passed its five years and i kind of cast that one aside and then i have the modular shoe berth but i kind of wanted something that wasn't modular to yeah. have as like a back backup yeah um i got the bell and they have like the craziest set of visors but their website was a little dysfunctional. And so I didn't think I could actually get a darker visor for this helmet when I bought it. Mm. So I just bought the RS1. And then later after the fact, noticed that they have the darker visors. But um, unlike kind of the way Revzilla operates, where if you click on an item and you go to buy the Bell helmet, and you've got like 10 Bell accessories yep. on the sidebar. Yep. These guys didn't have any of that. And so I didn't, you know, I couldn't surf through their accessories to find the damn helmet other than the, the um, visor. So Should've I went gone back. to Revzilla first to figure out what you Seriously, needed. Seriously, <laughs> I went to Revzilla because I thought I needed to buy a visor from Revzilla. And I found it. And I was like, what? And so I went back to their website and I managed to find it. And I emailed Belle and I said, hey, I just got this helmet like a week ago. Um, and I'm really disappointed because I would have gotten this dark visor underneath that, you know, coupon. And, uh, and the, the customer service person made me near nuts. And then finally I found someone who was above her who got back to me and said, <laughs> yeah, we have the smoke visor we'll get it right out to you. Um, so I ended up getting a dark visor so that I didn't have to put glasses underneath my helmet sure. yeah. and the visor is totally, um, perfect. But the, uh, the coolest part of that helmet, apart from all the insides come out and it's not a lot of wrestling <laughs> to get, um, the insides clean. But uh, the liner and the padding clean. But um, the visor on and off is so easy in that helmet. It is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. In like five seconds, I can take off a visor and put on another one. And I and I don't do a lot of that for any helmet. I don't even know how you do it for the Schubert. I've never bothered. It's just as but, fast. Yeah. It's I, just I as just, easy. Years ago, when I was swapping visors from the HJC, it, it was a little bit more of a, a pain for me, but I was just so blown away about how easy it is. But overall, I mean, I love the helmet. For me, you'll never hear me rave about how quiet a helmet is because I've never had a quiet helmet. And that's for many reasons, as we've discussed previously. I mean, you've covered um, the kind of variables that are involved with if Schubert sells the quietest helmet, you need to make sure you have a windscreen that's appropriate and all that jazz. So, you know, uh, noise aside, um, love that helmet. Very cushioned and just, I yeah, I have no complaints about it's it. Probably, I can actually feel the draft. It's probably relatively, qu certainly quieter than other helmets most, below its yeah, and price most point. Modulars too. It, yeah, it's probably, it, it's cushioned really well. So, I, I, you, I mean, you'll never have silence, but I bet you that helmet is pretty dang quiet i'm sure it yeah. dampens quite a bit of noise for you yeah no the the shoe berth and the rs1 uh the bell rs1 both are are quieter than than other helmets i've had yeah. um 
That's so yeah, no get. no complaints whatsoever on the bell. Easy to pop the visor out. Um, easy to get the interior out, and it fits my face well. So, I mean, like any helmet review, if you have a face that's shaped like mine, then I think you should try the Bell RS One. Well, if you have a head shaped like yours, which yeah. is a, a long to intermediate, long oval, really yeah. intermediate to long oval for you, because I'm an intermediate, I'm not a long, um, and that means that your head is longer from front to back than it is from side to side, like an oval, like an egg, hmm. where you're just longer, a little bit longer, and the RS1 is really good for that. So it's very close to a showy fit. So if you have, if you like showy, um, you know, if you like the RF1100, or you like the X12s, or the GTR, the RS1 is a very similar fitment. And then the other thing that's nice too is that the RS1 has a taller headspace, forehead space, because most people who have a long or long oval also have taller foreheads for the most hmm. part. I'd say the majority of people, not everybody, but if you just kind of look at those of you who have long ovals, your forehead is taller than those of us who don't. So the RS1's nice because there's just a little bit of space and you shouldn't. So if you have trouble right now finding a helmet because of forehead pressure, um, then you want to look at helmets like the RS1, like the discontinued RF1100, and then like the Signet Q, um, because that's a that's an American, I guess it's an American shape, um, not something that's really offered internationally, because I guess not a lot of Europeans and Asians have this facial structure. And that's why Arai came out with a Signet Q, because they, they studied a bunch of people, and they realized that every, everyone who has a long head front to back needs a higher forehead, needs more room in the forehead for whatever reason. So they, they address that specifically. But Evan also has a very um, tall forehead, and he loves he, he liked the RS1 a lot. Oh, and the, the Scorpion R2000 is another, another good one, too. But, um, cool. Yeah, but the Bell Helmet's a, a really good helmet. I, I am, so I'm opposite. I'm not a long oval. I'm an intermediate oval. And so that's kind of halfway between an egg and a bowling ball. So you're kind of, which is the universal fit, I guess, or, or the most common shape. So if you, most helmets that don't offer shapes like Arai does, they all stick to the intermediate oval pretty much. That's kind of the generic, it's the most common form and most people fit that. And um, I have, um, well, I have three helmets. I have the Schuberth, I have the C3 Pro, which is definitely more suitable for my shape. And then the Arai Vector and the Showy Quest. And I did a little write-up on the Vector, if you're interested. It's on my blog. Um, it's on my reviews page. And uh, the Vector's similar. It, it, it's really more of an intermediate. It's their base-level helmet, too. It's like the one that starts at 450, whereas everything else starts at, like, 550 and up. So it is their entry-level, so to speak, helmet. It doesn't have all the fun stuff that some of the other helmets come with. But um, I really I liked it. I love it. And I the reason I bought it... Uh, a, two years ago is because I wanted a summery helmet that would vent a lot of air, especially on the bottom, because it's not a, um, it's not covered as much around the neck. So a lot of air, I get a lot of air in and the, the venting's really nice. So it, it's definitely nicer when it's really hot out. So um, you can see my full review on my site for that one. I think my Quest review is there too, which is what I had before the Vector. And then I revert to the Quest when it's winter because it's a warmer helmet 
and it doesn't flow as much. Um, it's also a little bit quieter. So I try to kind of like with gear, I, I like to have a different helmet for a different season. And then the nice. shoe berth is like the crap shoot. I pull that out whenever I feel like it, or if I feel like wearing pink, some days I don't want to wear pink. So then I don't, <laughs> wear, I don't wear it. But, um, I also added some 3M stripes on that. If you want to check my Instagram, I posted a, a photo recently of that. But yeah, you know, sometimes I want to wear white, sometimes pink. But overall, she's fashionable. It's yeah, well, pink is reserved. Can't wear that every day. Like I can't wear that every day. It also clashes with my bike. So having a yeah, yeah I'm not really wearing that. Thank as much. you, thank you for saying that because I don't hear enough people talk about <laughs> clashing colors. <laughs> Well, I, I don't... feel like I'm the only one trapped in a sea of people who don't give a shit that I'm the one thinking, well, that, that really doesn't go with my blue bike. That's the only item in my closet that I feel that way about. Because everything else yeah. I have is black, white, uh, black, white, gray. Yeah, neutrals. Silver. Yeah, I don't really care. But I do think it looks funny. So, yeah, I don't. Yeah, But here matching is very important and people are very color coordinated with their vehicles i've noticed excessively so like to hmm. the t and i get a lot of i need a green jacket well can we just talk a little bit about you know getting the right fit and what kind of jacket you need and then we can look at colors later that's you know. the form over function again yeah but um yeah but we usually can find a happy middle but yeah i don't just it's just the yeah pink and the blue i can't i don't know it's just yeah. not sitting well with me right now but Anyway, um, so you can check out that review for myself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else I have. It's kind of a segue here. for Shoebirth. Yeah. Is there recent oh, announcement yes. about being the Held distributor for uh, North America? That's exciting because Held so, was in limbo for a while. Yeah, exactly. So I think, as you recall, we talked about it uh, three, four months ago, maybe? Yeah, a while. Um, that uh, Held North America closed shop. And no uh, distribution was going to be had for North America as a whole for held products. Yep. And you've probably heard Joanne and I, we don't, I've never really talked about their gear. And I don't think you have either or have any experience with it, really. I don't know. Do you they guys never, carry their gear at Ripsilla? We uh, carry, all, of course, a ton of their gloves and then just started sure. carrying one of their outfits. They actually, actually, they released a Gore-Tex Pro Shell outfit, I believe. Huh. It's like, you know, 1500 bucks. Um, but yeah. it's it's a textile touring outfit. It actually looks really cool. Um, but I, I know they have, if you ever have looked at a health catalog, there are so many things in it besides gloves. Uh, on top mm -hmm. of the fact that there are too many gloves, like 200 gloves, there's <laughs> luggage. Whoa, are yeah, you serious? There's so, 200 gloves? I don't know, 100? So many. Just Damn. so many. So many gloves. And then just say that there's more than more gloves in their catalog than in your closet. And I'll think that's a lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> like there's too many gloves in there in that catalog. And then they have um, clothing and accessories, luggage, tank bags. Oh. Actually, their tank bags are pretty nice. But I, who knows what Shoebirth is going to distribute if they're if they're going to start small and maybe just do yeah. all the gloves and then break out and do the clothing. I don't know. But, um, Certainly in the U.S., I can guarantee you that the fan favorite is gloves. Is and I miss gloves. my, those held air heroes that they discontinued making. Oh, man, well, they those have are a nice gloves. they have a newer version out that's way better. So They do. They do. They have a couple new ones out. So they'll probably bring more. And there might be even a direct replacement for it in terms of the name, like an Air Hero 2. But we, yeah. it's not brought in here, so maybe they'll bring those in. But yeah. um, they even now, I mean, Rosella has a ton of held gloves, probably more than anyone else um, 
online that's a held retailer, uh, which is kind of cool. So actually some really cool new ones just came out in the, in the store. But um, yeah, held gloves are, are fantastic. All the, you know, I think, I don't know if they started just making gloves, but that's pretty much what they're known for. And yeah. it's, it's as if they don't make anything else. Yeah, at least in the U.S., you'd be surprised. People um, see lots of held products. I know uh, the local BMW dealership that I went to uh, mm -hmm. stocked the entire held glove line, or at least, you know, four or five pair. Mm -hmm. But uh, people were surprised. Really? They make clothes? <laughs> I think I've even said that on the podcast. Like, yeah. what? Gear? They just, yeah, they, they didn't really bring them in here, I think. I don't yeah. know. I think the flavors were just a little too European. Who knows? Um but yeah, and I think we, I know we have at least one outfit that came out and there, there might be potential for more, but nice. gloves are, are the focus. So, um, yeah, I would go check that out when you have a second. I don't know. I think that might do it for us for 40 this time around. Yes. Happy 40. Happy 40. And we thank you again for joining us and, uh, we continue to do our best. We will continue to do our best to bring you more episodes. So we should definitely be back with you next week. I don't have any travel plans anytime soon. And um, hopefully we'll be, I'll be riding next this weekend. So have something to talk about. So as always, you can find us on motorific.com or on Facebook as the Motorific Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter as ADV Goddess and Gearchick. And until then, we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>